about that. It's been a whole year since we did our last uh, season preview episode. Like, I, I like it has not felt like that long. I feel like it was just like, I don't know, a couple months ago, we were talking about Bobby Ryan being on a PTO. <laughs> time flies. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. I don't know. If you want to count the back half of last season as fun, I mean, I don't know kind of sicko you are, but. Well, you know, fun with the boys. Yeah, you're right, right. You know, right. I had zero fun. <laughs> Shocker. So this this season's shaping up to be a lot more fun. I'm I'm super excited, especially like uh full like the 23 man uh, roster came out and I mean as everyone knows by now, it's Elmer season baby. Vibes are high. Vibes are high. And we'll uh we'll go into some of those final decisions, uh what happened through preseason with a couple of those and then get into our uh Season preview, line by line, how we're going. But uh, first, uh, welcome to another pr- episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. But yes, Elmer Soderblom making the 23-man roster. How did it come to this point? Um, being better than other players. <laughs> uh, and he showed in preseason that... I guess mainly the guy he was fighting for with that spot was essentially Giovanni Smith and Jonathan Bergeron. And I wouldn't say that he was ultimately way better than Bergeron. I would say that he offers a lot more to the table. That isn't already on the team. He's six foot eight and he's got some of the most disgusting hands. There should be a, like a, an analytics chart, like, Hands per height, hands per inch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of per 60, we have a per inch. Yeah. Per he would inch. easily lead. Elmer Tage, would lead. Tage Thompson, Tage Thompson has some dirty hands, too. Yeah. Okay. But that would be an interesting chart. Like, Un- Unfortunately, Michael Rasmussen's not that high. No, Michael Rasmussen <laughs> would be near the bottom. <laughs> it's like a four-person chart, too. Like. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet about, um, so at practice, they had a line of, uh, Elmer Soderblom, Michael Rasmussen, and Oscar Sundquist. Yeah, in, total, in, in total, their height was nine, 19 feet and five, and five inches. <laughs> that Just monstrous. Probably, that'd probably be the biggest line ever. Yeah, you'd, line. yeah you'd, you'd think who else has been. Sundquist is, is easily the smallest person on that line, and he's six foot three. Yeah, and he looks like he's six five out there. Yeah, Just he's a big he's, dude. So, he's like, he's big, right? So. Like when I think of Sunquist, I honestly think he's six five in my my brain. I don't know why. Yeah, he's a he's a big dude. Um, yeah. I did love Lalone's comments about Soderblom and how they really could see him as an asset, being a per- puck possession guy below the below the goal line, which is something like a line in, in theory, a, a line of Sunquist and Rasmussen that could really work. Yes, it's just a cycle cycle and go. Yeah, Sunquist is very good down low. And um, on the four check, and I think that would really mesh well with Elmer's game. Um, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. It also gives like another aspect to you have someone that's a little bit more skilled that's also big, but like in yeah. Sunquist's case, he's also he is like skilled for a fourth liner. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. but he's he's a bull out there where you know if someone tries taking down Soderblom, like. He has some yeah. protection, a little bit of protection out there, but also a little bit of breathing room with the puck. I feel like, 100%. even though even though he brings up, takes up like eighty five percent of the offensive zone himself. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> I, I, the possibilities with Elmer are insane. I mean, today he was uh, listed on the second unit of the power play as a net front guy, and I love that. That's really great. And I mean, look, looking back to his camp too. I mean, he scored some like that goal against Toronto was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Like he should like I loved that little backhand that his little celly after. That was a little was cha- a little change up, eh? Yeah, it was shit. It was slick. For yeah. sure, uh, but I mean the biggest the biggest news to come out of the twenty three man roster is definitely Simon Edmondson not making the roster. Um, and we talked about it last episode. Andy unfortunately couldn't make it, but um, it was the right. It, we were talking about it, it was the right choice. Yeah, ultimately, just he needs to gain confidence, I think, and adapt to the North American game a little bit more. I guess, like I don't know. It was very much feast or famine with yeah. Simon Edmondson. In the offensive zone, he was. I thought he was making the right plays, and he was making pretty decent reads. The occasional bad pinch. I mean, he made that really nice pinch on that led to Bertuzzi's goal in the last game. But I mean, Lalone really point, pointed this out, saying that the Washington game was the real bad one. I would. I sum up his preseason as forty sixty. Yeah, I'd say forty percent of the time he's making a play, and your mouth like half drops, and you're you're in shock because it was such a good play. And then the other 60% of the time, your mouth drops because it was such a bad play. Which you kind of expect from young defensemen anyways. Yes, but to that extent, no. Um, the inability to handle a puck in his own defensive zone is something that needs to be worked on. And it's not something you want to be kinked out game one <laughs> against Montreal. <laughs> right. With Josh Anderson on the forecheck. Um, for example, Josh Anderson's not great, but I'm just using he would him cause as an some he would, he would cause some damage on Simon that, Edmondson. That guy's an animal, animal, so he is trying animal. to <laughs> right. He would cause a lot of turnovers to Simon Edmondson. I mean, you oh, even yeah. saw it with Kubalik in the red and white game. I know that's not saying much, but three turnovers to Kubalik burnt him, burnt him bad. Yeah, made uh, Kubalik look like a little speedster. Yeah, I. I'm happy with the decision. I hope Robert Hag can jump right in there and it's not Jordan Osterley. Yeah, and we'll get in. He does we'll, a pretty good job. We'll get into that when we break down the defense. Uh, some current concerns there, definitely in the bottom pair. But no, I, ultimately, it's best for the team and Simon Edmondson as he doesn't need to be forced into a decision. Also, with, with Jake Wallman also coming back pretty soon. Yes, I, I think this is going to really relieve a heck ton of stretch, stress off of the kid, too. Yeah, the amount of pressure that was put on him in preseason and training camp in general, the hype built up around him by fans, man, that's gonna be a tough spot to put in. Because, like, yeah, like we, that's so many times you're not more insider. No, no, definitely. <laughs> it's all he was being. Do you think you can have a similar path as as more insider? It's like, yeah. wow, like, dude, I just got here. So yeah. I, I definitely now he can kind of get out of the limelight for a little bit really honing his game in, in Grand Rapids. And it's going to be really interesting for him in Grand Rapids for what kind of role he's going to have with how many young defensemen that they have. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't play all of them every single night. No. Ryan Lashoff and Stephen Camper are both there. Well, it, it, I mean, to jump into like Seth Barton a little bit, it does kind of help them that Seth Barton is starting the year mm-hmm. on Injury. IR because it makes a little bit more room for all of them. Sucks I mean, for him, though. It does suck for him because I thought he looked really good in 
what game was that? That was he's paired uh, it was with one um, of the last one. It was one of the last games. Was it Washington? Was he paired with Mata? Who was he paired with? Oh, I think it was Washington. I think it yeah, was Washington. He, he played really good. Um, yeah. I, I I think like you're gonna see like a camp for Edmondson, and then maybe I had in my head Johansson and Sabrango, Sabrango playing on his offhand, and mm-hmm. then maybe like Vero and um, Lashoff. Yeah, or um, McIsaac. Oh yeah, McIsaac. Yeah, McIsaac's probably a good <laughs> one too. Yeah. Jeez, again, it's, there, it's there might point. be some games that they're dressing seven defensemen. Which makes sense. Because you want Lash up in there, too. He's the captain, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're scratching the captain. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, hey, I don't envy uh, Ben Simon's decisions on a night-to-night basis. No. But he actually um, has he has a lot to work with, a lot of potential. So, that's, that is yes. fun. I don't think it's going to be that hard to dress 11-7, and seven, though, considering your defensive depth. I think it might be decently easy to do that. Ideal, maybe? I Almost ideal. Um, yeah. Um, jump, keep going on like Grand Rapids, the only, yeah. my, my only complaint with preseason as a whole on the defensive front is the lack of Albert Johansson. Mm-hmm. What did we really see from him? One, one, one game and one game of good opportunity for him. The rest were like third pairing shell roles. It was more so that Edvinson took a step back. That's why he got the opportunity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, what would he have done with an opportunity right off the get go? I would have again. I I was I was banging that t- I was banging that drum for a little bit, just to see. Like, I mean, ultimately, I think I still think it's the right decision for him to start in GR. But who knows? Maybe he would have shown. Because yeah. it seemed like it seemed like the the three players that were really going to get the runway were Edvinson, Soderblom, and Bergeron. And Bergeron. All three of them got good opportunity. I'm glad Berger got a huge opportunity too because of the season he had last year. And I think if this is last year's roster, he's 100 percent on the roster. 100. percent right. Yeah. There, there's. It's not a knock on him that he didn't make the team. There's such stiff competition for him to be able to squeeze into a spot. And like I said, it's not. It's not to me that he Elmer played lights above him. It's that he's six foot eight and brings more of an intangible than Bergeron has. Yeah. Also just rolls in the power play too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another big Use- one. That is, that is another big one. Um, his usage won't be there besides five on five really for me. Bergeron's. No, no. Where, where Elmer gets that fourth line minutes, but second line power play unit. Cause he's and I'm pretty front, sure. So. And even like and we talked, we talked, Gar- we did yes. talk about, we, yeah. we, talk, we, we also talked about how, the fourth line isn't really going to be used probably as a fourth line this year. I think Lalonde also said that in his press conference that he doesn't see himself see us having a true fourth line this year. We talked about Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. Yeah. Kind of almost similar to that. Yeah, yeah they're like, a bunch of bunch of third lines basically. Yeah. You have your yeah. set. You have your set number one line, then you have a bunch of second or third lines. However, exactly. You want to look at it. Yeah, just deploy them in the same situations and stuff like right. that. Because again, like for how the Reddings are set up, we don't really have defensive specialists in the bottom six. It's gonna be more so like any like defensive zone situations are gonna be more heavily re- relied on with like Andrew Cop, Dylan Larkin, David Perron, kind of thing, Bertuzzi, etc. Yeah, et your your experienced veterans that have been there, done that, and yes, kind of know what it takes. Or puck possession for the young, like the other lines mm-hmm. that don't have those guys either. Percent, percent. Um, a couple other GR transactions that were noteworthy. Um. Giovanni Smith, as we kind of alluded to, was sent down on waivers. 
I'm not surprised he didn't get claimed considering it happened on the busiest waivers day. A lot of stuff gets lost in the shuffle. Maybe like if it was, if this was like game 30, some team was looking for toughness. Maybe he gets picked up. Um, again, I, I think Giovanni Smith is an easy call up for an injury to the fourth line. And if you're looking to inject some toughness, I almost guarantee he's going to be called up before home yeah, or he, game one. Yeah. He honestly could, if they decide to send down a Valeno or Soderblom. It's, I, I, I would say I'm 70% sure that he's going to get called up. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Also, um, Fashion Cosa also being assigned to GR, meaning that he's going to be playing pro this year. Correct. For the most part, which is noteworthy. That's very noteworthy. Depend And especially with, like, if you look at Toledo's goaltending situation, I'm pretty sure they have, like, four guys right now competing for spots. And you look at GR, you got three. Right. Uh, they're going to – they'll mac- maximize Cosa's uh, playing time. You invested a 15th overall pick into a goalie, he'll play. It's just it's whether just, he plays in Toledo or Grand Rapids. Yes. Yeah. Um, I could I could see it being 50-50 for the year. Or like somewhere the, somewhere around that ballpark. Maybe like 60-40 up and down. My only concern is you kind of like run the risk of like him needing to adjust league league to league and stuff like that. I don't exactly. know. The the only the thing about that is I was gung ho on not gung ho, but I would say I was pretty confident he'd be heading back to juniors. Me too. I was pleasantly surprised by his play throughout training camp and in the preseason. I'm not saying he was phenomenal. I I thought he was good. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen him play at that level really ever. And like whether it was me tuning into a WHL game or World Juniors, Juniors, the one game he played, I thought he was really shaky. I thought he looked pretty good in preseason. But to to go off of that, I thought Okanora looked very good. And I thought Bradstrom looked really good in the Pittsburgh game and he had a, a rough game towards the end. Yep. Those are three like pretty I'm just gonna say pretty good competition down there. Yeah. And again, like Okanora is the easy call up to Detroit when if there's an injury. And again, like that could happen at any point. Like guys get banged up for a week, Okanora is just up, and then all of a sudden you got Kosa Bradstrom, you're good. Yep. Having yep. depth in the goaltending positions very like I'm pretty sure like GR's goaltending depth last year was garbage. It was because that's when they were trying to get Hellberg in. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Or no. And... No, that's um that is around the time, but that's when uh Pickard got hurt and then yep. it was Bradson was running the show is his first year like in the AHL coming from the Osvenskin. Yeah, it was a t- it was tough. Like he definitely played pretty well considering, but he definitely like needed some relief. Yes, because he had a couple games where he'd pl- stand on his head and then he'd play on a back to back and he'd have like seventy six. I would argue that that Detroit has like four guys who could play any night in the in like GR because they're the starter in Toledo is likely going to be John Lethman, Lethman's who was a, pretty good. Yeah, he was a starter. At, he was a starter at Michigan State. Yeah, at one point. So, I mean, he's got he played at a pretty high level. So I mean. Obviously, it's going to be Toledo guy for sure, but easy call up again. Valuable to have guys like that. Um, suppose we should go into our season preview now. Uh, I'm planning to go line by line, maybe give some point projections, um, some storylines following. Start right at the top for Tuesday, Larkin, and Raymond. Uh, what are you guys looking for out of that line this year? 
Um, big production. Yeah, I want. I guess they have they have to be your five on five offensive threat, ideally. Um, whether that means other lines taking the load off defensively and letting them have offensive freedom, because I mean, last year it was a lot of okay, we have to generate the offense, but we also have to be the defense, right? Um, that's why Andrew Kopp was brought in to take off the load of Dylan Larkin. Um, you now have Michael Rasmussen coming into his own, and you have Pugh Suter, who was supposed yep. to be the second-line center last year, or even Joe Paleno. Uh, You have a lot more depth than you've had, like, especially last year. Just heavy upgrades all around, um, especially another guy like Perron is going to provide a lot of defensive reimbursement, I guess you could say. So I think that's going to take a lot of load off Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi and Lucas Raymond. Yeah, that's the that's kind of my big one too. Can they yeah. like my my question is can they be freed up and so they can become a top ten scoring line in the NHL? Because at one point early in the year last year, you could have made an argument saying that they were. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> I kind of maybe steps towards that. Maybe not right out the gate this year, but maybe top 15, 12 area. If, you know, that, that's kind of like the goal, I'd say. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, we still have a lot of new faces and things aren't going to be pretty all the way through, right? Like, <laughs> there definitely be some <laughs> exactly so like you know getting the top half of the league i'd say would be ideal which like you said at the beginning of last year which was a shock for all of us and we got all rosy rosy glasses on we were our, our looking, red wing color glasses at, exactly yeah i like those but, glasses um me too but grant pretty much said exactly what i was gonna say for that uh we have a lot more support for the top those top three players so if everything falls into place, you know, eventually or right off the bat and continues through, they they have a lot more freedom. And kind of what going back to the conversation we had last year, we have other players we can deploy in different situations where it gives these guys more of a rest night in, night out. So yep. we can use them in more important offensive situations when we need them. Especially um, early in the season, I don't want to see Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi play over twenty minutes a night. Yeah, not not necessarily. Like you know, if it happens, unless there's like there. overtime and stuff, like maybe like yeah. a situation where there's a pulled goalie. All right, but like if it's right. like a game where we're winning, like if we win three nothing, they should not be they should not be playing over twenty minutes a night. Right, or if it's like even in a sense where it's a tight game before like through the first forty five minutes or whatever. Or we have a like a like a lot of power plays or penalty kills, like you know, yeah, like things go things happen. But yeah, ideally, right around that eighteen to twenty minute mark max for the first fifteen twenty maybe, and yeah. then reevaluates. Yeah. And also like injuries happen, so like that's kind of like yeah. the part. It's like load. Ma- it's like load management, right? Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly, it's an eighty-two game and season. That- before you hopped hopped on our call, Grant and I were going through the early schedule. Detroit's schedule the first 20 games is is like on paper pretty easy yeah like some of our toughest teams are Minnesota and like the Rangers and that's yeah. like one apiece 
we play a lot of the east the east like quote unquote bottom teams like around the same barrel as detroit right so still be should be close but it's still yes. gonna be a battle but yeah Winnable. ideally exactly realistically you want to be winning probably 15 of those games if you're mm-hmm. having such like more of a downward bottom feeder yep sort of start to the season yeah if you can win anywhere from like 12 to 15 or 13 to 15, it's pretty good start to the season. Yep. Also with um, another thing that will really benefit this line, especially like Lucas Raymond, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Lockhart are entering contract years. (laughs) Guys historically go off on contract years. Historically. And Lucas Raymond can really benefit on as a guy who's, you look at the Tim Stutzla's, the Robert Thomas's guys coming off their ELCs and they're signing their big tickets. Lucas Raymond, if I'm him, like, and I get a big year, I'm trying to sign that eight-year extension for big money. Why not, man? If the money's there, like, you should do it. And, yeah. this be the part, and if you're going to be with them all year, I know Grant and I have kind of been banging the drum of him trying to drive his own line, especially for the Red Wings' sake of seeing like what they can do before giving them big before giving him big money. Um. If, I mean, if it's not the situation like that, like he should be pumped, right? Like, yeah, big opportunity. Like, yeah, it goes into like all like I still like I'm expecting big years from all three, to at least. Point wise, what do you guys think? Per yeah, individual, per- perfect, perfect segue. Um, I'll start. We'll we'll go one by one. I'll start with Bertuzzi. Um, Bertuzzi, I'm I'm kind of I think he's gonna get the same point production as last year. Not like points per game, but like same points. He's around the 60-point mark. I'm going – I'm being really oddly specific. I'm going to go 29 goals, 33 assists, 62 points. Hit 62 points last year. I'm getting one less goal, one more assist. Okay, I'm pretty similar to that. I'm going a little bit more points because of the more games he's going to play this year. Fair enough. Hope, um, optimistically, with yep. yeah. no injuries. Um, 33 and 33 for 66. Like it. I like it. That's, I, I think, that's, that's literally what I had too. So yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. He's, he's gonna be scoring this year. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. have all the opportunity. Again, he's he's I, looked, he's such an important player. Right. I, I see him hitting a 30 goal plateau again. Or Mark, sorry, not plateau. Yeah, I don't Mark. know where where <laughs> where that 30 mark is gonna be towards. I mean, are we gonna see upper 30s or lower 30s? I I just, I'm pretty confident he's going to hit 30 this year. Yeah, yeah that's just me around it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, Dilly Larks. What do we think? I'm, I'm around. I think he's going to get his career best this year. His career high is 73. I got him scoring 74. So yeah. not too much more, but I, I, I don't like, I think Dylan Larkin's kind of a mid 70s, like maybe point per game guy at his best. Uh, I got 33 goals, 41 assists. It's a great season. That is, yeah. I'm literally one point off you. I contract season, I'm at 34 and 39, um, 73 points. Okay, ties ties career best. I think he's gonna have a huge year this year. Like I said, Andrew Cop taking off the load for him, that's gonna be everything for him. Free up, free him up. Yeah, Andy, I had 75 points just because it's nice, (laughs) (laughs) nice down the middle number. And we're on the same, like you said, yeah, contract year. Personal yeah. best, right? So the great but season. Yeah. Uh Lucas Raymond. I feel like this one might have a little bit difference from 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 us now, because a little bit more of a question mark, you know, maybe a sophomore slump, which I don't think it's gonna happen, but 
let's see. I'm going to, I'm going 27 goals, 40 assists, 67 points. He's, he's breaking out. I have him at 28 goals and 39 assists for 67 points. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I had him at like 64 points and then goals and assists would be pretty even. Probably more assists, probably like six or seven more assists than he had goals just because he is a setup man. I do like I we're we're on the same page. We're on the same page. I think like all of ours are really close. The furthest one off was Bertuzzi, I think, which was six points. Yes. Yeah. That one, yeah, I think we had like four points off. Yeah. So yeah, uh, very least to say we're expecting sixty plus points from each guy, each point, like each guy in that line. I think this is where it's gonna get interesting. I think so too. Further down the lineup. Yeah. So too. So um, yeah, and I might mix. I might start mixing in some some of my bold predictions as well. Um, through this, and I because I have one on this line, but we'll kind of go into that. Um, so starting off with the second line here, what's on paper right now, obviously going to change probably throughout the season, but as of right now, it looks like they're going to be running Verona Cop Prawn. I'm very excited to have a legit second line. Yeah. Last year we were like, well, I'm re- I'm pretty happy Pew Suiter's here, and then Robbie Fabry and Philip Sedina. On paper, looking at that compared to this is quite funny. It's ridiculous. We're in such a better position. Mm-hmm. All all three of these guys are legit top six talents. Yeah. There's literally no arguing. There's no there's nothing you can can be argued about this, which I'm very excited about. The question is how much production like they can actually keep up with, because again, it varies from guy to guy. Like I think the biggest question on this line is Andrew Cop's adjustment full time to center. Yeah, and I, I would argue um, Jacob Verana's deployment in a top six role. He's never really had that deployment. No. It would. It's gonna be interesting to see how his production either takes off or kind of just stays the same. If he's just yeah. that, if he is just a fifty point player, or if the production goes up, can he flirt with seventy? Right. Yeah, but even so, like if he stays with a fifty-point player for your second-line winger, that's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. That's kind of yeah, like you, you know what I mean. Like it's because uh, you have six. Yes, yes, and no. With the type of player he is, I I want to see 60, 55, yeah. 60, 70. But but he's a more of a goal scorer. He's not going to score. Like I would, I would I honestly don't see him getting more than twenty-five assists. No. So then he has to score 35 goals, like 30, 35 goals, okay. which I don't know. Roughly. You know I mean, so yes, I'll, I'll rephrase a 30 goal scorer. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I like what you said about the 25 assists because I'm right there with you. He's not going to get more than I I'll rephrase 30 is my high limit of him. Um, I, I like what you said about that. Cause I, that's not his game. He it's can not, make, it's not he his can game. make, if he can make the smart play. If you look at his stats with Detroit, uh, the goals to assist ratio is ridiculous since he came over from Washington. He has 21 goals and nine assists. Exactly. Exactly. So that's <laughs> under half in 37 <laughs> games. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that can't change right. where and it's he's closer, also, but like, well, we also also on. look at what who's most common linemen have been through his tenure in Detroit. Yeah. Right. Michael Rasmussen. Yeah, it's it's varied. Sam Gagne. There's gonna be more yeah. room for assists now playing with David Prawn and Andrew Cop, but still, I, I yes, yeah. big time. And Andrew Cop, I mean, go ahead, Andy. Oh, Finish I was just up. gonna say, Verona, like he's he's a goal scorer, so there's he's streaky. There's nights that he's gonna take off where it's gonna be Cop and Perron just running that line. He's out there as a passenger. That's if they keep st- like you know when they st- like they're still together and whatever. 
alone may even on those nights change it up and throw someone else out there. Like if Zadina's going or Rasmussen's going and he wants that, to play wing, I, that, I don't know. Like, that's almost yeah. what I would do. Cause you know what I mean? Like you said, there's a lot of nights that Verona is a passenger and there's other nights he's complete he's dominant. A, right. Yeah. That's, that's how, that's how elite, well, goal, good goal scorers are. I can't streaky, elite streaky yet, but, elite goal scorers. Yeah. That is yeah. the like when he's on, when they're on fire, they're, Yeah, exactly. When they're on fire, they're elite. But then after that, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and like, like he's a guy, like, like you said, you almost just plug in play with like Zadina's on that night and he's not doing anything. Plug and play Zadina or plug and play like if Valeno's in the lineup and he's playing wing or something. Plug yeah. and play Valeno. I, I think at that point in a game, when you have a guy like Verona, you almost just play him with two heavy four checkers at that point in the game and just try to find him in the slot, like just have pucks pop out to him yeah, when, he's, when he's, when he's off his game. Andrew I'm just Kopp saying, and then Oscar Sundquist. Not, not even <laughs> just like you keep Andrew cop on that um, second line and you just try to find like Rasmussen. He's had success with and Rasmussen and even Sundquist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or Ernie, if he's in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, but yeah, kind of going to the Andrew Cop. He's making big dough, five year contract, five point six million dollars a year. You're getting paid to be a second line center and also produce. It's it's fair to say like the expectation should be fifty points, at least, right? Like that's yeah. a fair fair assumption. Like if you're getting paid that, and whether like whether he not he's, he he's getting paid to do that. Ultimately, yeah. like also it's super important that he takes off some of that defensive load off Dylan Larkin. And provides value in both special teams, which he definitely will. So, yeah, it's just my question is just how he adjusts to a full time at center and who his wingers are. I think are a big factor in that as well. He needs some yeah. guys that can kind of drive play a little bit, which is That's why I, I, I kind of brought up the point of Lucas Raymond there. That's why I've, I've been kind of banging the drum for Lucas Raymond on second line. Yeah, I like the, I like the fact that they have Perron as his winger because mm-hmm. he's another veteran guy who reads plays well defensively and does make things happen offensively but it's just to kind of give him a little bit of support and like where things break down a bit yeah for especially for like you know i mean like he he has played center before but not a full season so it's just kind of a a catch-all type thing with peron there in my opinion that's that's why i like that pairing so well and then whoever that other winger is would be what left side winger would it be does yeah. Perron play right side now? Yeah. I think he plays both, but yeah, really yeah, I was gonna say I remember him when he was in Pittsburgh, he was playing left side with Crosby. I think most of our top six wingers, I think all of them can play either side. Flip flop, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like the Perron connection there or um pairing, sorry, with uh oh shit, what were we talking about? Cop. Um cop, cop. yeah. Sorry, his name slipped my mind. I like that though. <laughs> there just just for kind of a insurance policy. And I know Grant like brought it up. He's brought it up a few times. Um, how Perron, how he's adjusted to different situations. Like when he was in, I think it was Pittsburgh. He was pretty bad. Yeah, it was and tough. He, didn't, he just didn't have the right fit. And, and Edmonton so, too. Yeah, Edmonton. Yeah, I think he had one. He had like one of his best seasons was there, but then he also had one of his worst seasons. Right. And I think yeah. it's kind of like more so with the team, but with Detroit, like where does Perron fit in? And also making the most out of him. Because again, Perron's like biggest assets can be the power play. That was why we brought him in as a right shot threat on the power play. 
Yeah. Everything's going to go through him. And I like alone said, like he wants him in the, the left half wall. He was the guy that was set in stone in the first unit, which is a hundred percent how it should be. So just kind of the question, how you best utilize David Perron. I think Andrew cop is a good option there. Kind of a guy who plays similar, like defensive minded, kind of like a Ryan O'Reilly, obviously not as good Ryan O'Reilly, but for doing comparisons, it makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Um, yeah, it's kind of like my big things for that. Uh, what we're we looking at production wise, what do you guys think points wise for Jacob Verana? Grant. Um, I think it's put up or shot up for Jacob Verana. Um, this is your first, this is the biggest opportunity of your career thus far. You've been the second best goal scorer, five on five essentially behind Austin Matthews. Yeah. And those statistics are ridiculous. And I think you've got to be putting up above 30 goals this year um, with the linemates you're playing with. I got him at 34 goals and 26 assists for, for 60 points. Andy. I have him at 32 goals and 19 assists. All right. Yeah. That's a fair, I think it's a fair, safe one. Because he is not, playing against stiffer competition on if he stays on that second line. Correct. That is a good, really good point. Uh, I'm going. I'm going crazy. This is my bold prediction number one. Jacob Verona has finally has the breakout year. Thirty-seven goals, twenty-five assists, sixty-two points. Big season. Thirty-seven goals is a lot. That's a, a lot. That is a lot. I'm I'm sticking to it. It's a big one. I really. I like his game a lot, and I think he'll under alone. I think he'll get some much needed ice time, and we'll see how it goes. Also, power play time will be a big thing. Right. Probably fits in there. Um, Andrew Cop, what are we thinking? Start with Andy this time. Cop, I say he's. I say about right around the like twenty five. I say twenty three goals. And I like to say maybe 35 assists. Okay. That I might like be a little that. high. Might be a little high on assists, but he has two guys that can put the puck away. Yeah, you stick to it. Line. You stick you to know. it. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's those are some Red Wings colored glasses there, but lock it in. Cool. Lock it we'll in. Lock it in. Lock it in. There you go. Grant. At least I at least I admit it when I see it. That's right. I, I got 20, I 21 and 31 for 52. Pretty close to what he had last year. Yep. Yeah. Uh I got 22, 28. 50 points on the dot. Just making my mark of the contract being worth it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, if he's around the 50-point mark, I'll be happy, and he can provide value outside of offensive situations. David Perron, arguably probably like our best value signing. What are we thinking for him, Grant? I have 24 goals and 33 assists for 57 points. Okay. I like that number. You're going with that? Jersey. Jersey number. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. Jersey uh, yeah. number. Good catch. Yeah. No, uh, I had him right around the 55-point mark, too, as well. Just probably heavier on the assist part, I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty... I'm a little more bullish, I guess. I got 28 goals, 30 assists. Maybe because he's on my fantasy oh, yeah? team. I got I got my fantasy team glasses on. There you go. Maybe. You, you need need to make the push for GM of the year. I, I do. I had my Joe Mark and fantasy glasses on too. So <laughs> there you go. You also had my Dylan Larkin fantasy glasses on too. So yeah, yeah, I, I got you. 
Thanks. 100% I got you. As you guys reminded me that I didn't edit my fantasy lineup today. There you go. Because I forgot that games were on. <laughs> I can't win GM of the year if I'm not putting the right guys in place. But luckily, it was only, it was only I only had to put Logan Thompson in. So I'm all set. All you right, can, yeah. I you can co- contact tonight. me anytime after for GM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might. I need. I might need the AGM, Andy, and yeah. and action. We're back into the season preview. Um, <laughs> onto the third line, which honestly, like, I got my next bowl prediction in here. Uh, Kubli's popping off. I'll, I'll I'll allude to it after we go to the points, but he's popping off. I'm confident. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of potential on this line. It's kind of like how we talked about, uh, like we talked about a little bit before with like teams. Like this is this line's magic beans, a lot of potential, a lot of untapped stuff going on here. It's kind of just going to be whoever gets the best situation, who gets the most ice time too. Um, yeah, I guess my like one of the questions is: Can Kubalik and Zadina continue to build off strong preseasons? Right. I like I liked what I saw from both of them. I mean, Zadina towards the end, I think he kind of tailed off a little bit. He, he did tail hot, off. Especially like the Toronto game. He kind of looked like the last Toronto game anyway. He was kind of like a little bit out of it, especially he missed that open net and he looked like he really got to him, which again can't happen in the regular season. So kind of be something to watch there. Um, I also with Joe Valeno, what's he do in a bigger, like I, if he even gets that role, because I know I, I should even throw Michael Rasmussen in, into this line as well. In terms you should of, throw. I mean, in practice, it's been Rasmussen, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I had Valeno written. I, I wrote this down like a couple days ago before, like we really started get. I was going off preseason lines, yeah. Which this was a preseason line. Um, um so I, I'd go off Rasmussen in this position. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like again, Rasmussen. Like, can he continue the hot end of the season that he had? It looks like he had. Like he looks. He looks strong in preseason. I have no complaints about his game. I have no complaints either. It's not like he looked spectacular. He just he looked good. Yeah. Um. My biggest question for Rasmussen is he can he kind of provide a support that almost Verana had felt when he played online with him, and Verana just felt comfortable. I mean, that was like his one of his most used line mates was Rasmussen, and the production he was putting up and during small ice time minutes was pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of a similar stylish player. So that's interesting to me. I think Kubelik's a little bit of a harder player, but um, it'll be interesting to follow that. And Will, Will Zadina, like you said, can he feed off a of preseason and prove that he's worthy enough to play in this lineup? I think that's a big, big question right now. He got, he got a good get a good contract considering his situation. He did. Right. So it, My- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, my biggest question mark about this line is just, I guess it's still bruises from a, like seeing Rasmussen play center the last few years. I don't love it. I do like it a little bit better through after watching preseason, but I still love him better. Like, I still like him better and would prefer him to be on the wing, but also we don't have like that many options at center. Like, we do, but we don't. It's kind of, Hit and miss, you know what I mean? On the we lower do, end, we do have Pew Suter as well, yeah. right? And Vano. yeah, yeah and there's like, there's three guys in the mix for the spot, I think. Right, and then the Fabry when he comes back can play center as well, but yeah, we'll see what his I, role is. Yeah, still, like, those are guys that I don't love at center, 
but they can well Valeno I do I like he, I like him at center but I think it's just hit and miss the reason I kind of bounced off the Valeno idea with you on the third line mm-hmm. I think they want less risk from that line is what Rasmussen brings to the table with Zadina and Kubli perfectly fine perfectly which fine. is which is fine that's that's where I'm at I I think when I like you're that. with Valeno on that line there could be one game where you're like, oh my gosh, that line was so fun to watch tonight. And they provided two goals. The next game, they could be a minus three. Yeah. A little bit of feast or famine. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of, I, I like the idea of having Rasmussen there. For me, it's Rasmussen or Suter centering Kubelik and Zadina. That's fair. I prefer Rasmussen there. So I, I would, I'd lean I'm, Rasmussen. Uh, I'll go into that a little bit more when we talk about the fourth line, but okay. I would I would lean Rasmussen too here. Yeah, so I guess uh, let's go into point projections. What are we kind of viewing as successful seasons for these guys? Uh, let's start off with um, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start off with my my bold prediction number two, Dominic Kubalik. He's getting a, th- a career high in goals this year. That is my as my hot take. It's a spicy one for sure, but. I don't know. When you think of an injury in the top six, who's going to fill in first? Yeah. I would yeah. pick I would pick Kubalik. And in terms of a guy they need to utilize in the power play, I think he gets reps in the first unit as well this year, a decent amount. With that shot, there's no way he doesn't when an injury when a man goes down. Yep. So you know I mean? like I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I got 32 goals, 17 assists, 49 points, Dominic Kubalik. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I want to. I want to be on the Kubelik train here. I, I really want him to have a successful season this year. Um, I kind of didn't go that crazy. I'm right around 25 and 20 for 45. I think if you put up 45 points on a third line and 25 goals, that's ridiculous. I know. I've me and you at least we've talked about the St. Louis Blues a lot last year. And how they had nine 20 goal scorers in their top nine. And almost a 10th guy with Justin Falk scoring 16. Yes. Right. You know <laughs> from, how the, rid- from the point. <laughs> you know how ridiculous that is? I mean, based off our projections right now. I got seven. It's seven. It's seven. seven player. If you get yeah. seven guys to score 20 goals, there's no reason you can't be a playoff team. Or at least be in the mix. Or at least be in the mix. Right. That's my point. Is I, they're going to be in the mix? So, yeah, I think Kubalik has a big year. Like I said, I think he's the guy that's going to be re- relied upon the most to be jumping higher in the lineup. Of note, these are Red Wings glasses predictions projections. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, these are fun. These are supposed to be fun. I want to look back on these in a year and be like, "Ooh, I nailed that!" Or "Ooh, I was way off." I was going to say, even yeah. in six six months or like just after the new year from now. Exactly. Like, yeah, you know, like we'll listen back. But, uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm was, not. Yeah, that's a good. When, that's a good when Lucas Raymond has 20 points at the midway mark, because I think he's I guess a sophomore I, guess, slump. I guess like 40 points for Lucas Raymond. So I was stay hot on that one. I'm but again, sa- I'm just saying. Yeah, like, no. when he said at the midway mark this season at 20 points because he's in a sophomore slump. <laughs> right. Just, oh, yeah. just, just, just kidding, guys. Yeah. Um, but no, that's a good point to like, again, these are supposed to be fun and I'm not like ride or dying on these picks. 
it's just, just this we, is supposed to be fun. I'm I'm ride or dying on these picks. Okay, right. two thirds of this podcast know that <laughs> this is just rose colored glasses. Yeah, this is just fun. Gr- Grant's just going head first. Yeah, Grant's locking these in. He's taking them to the Clear back. eyes can't lose. <laughs> um, but let's go with uh, I guess uh, Andy, you did you you didn't give your Kuba League prediction. I don't have to. Grant said it exactly. Where yeah, really? Wow, I you, guys, yeah. you guys are you guys are like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go into Michael Rasmussen then. What? A, let's start with you, Grant. What does a successful production season look like? Also, like, what's like again? Michael Rasmussen's more of a defensive player. I don't. Pro- I don't particularly care about production this year from okay. Michael Rasmussen. I think providing a stable third line center role and focus on defense first this year. Um, with that being said, I do think he's going to take a jump up in production, um, considering the finish this season he had last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the sniz he had preseason. I mean, come on, come on. See, ya. uh, I got 28 goals and 46 assists. <laughs> <laughs> Huge just, year. <laughs> Michael Rasmussen is going to be. He's gonna be an all star this year. Yeah, I didn't realize he was taking over Dylan Larkin's spot. That's that's in the first half, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, I have 15 and 18 for 33 points. All right, I, I like. Think, that. I think he's gonna have a a very good year this year when it comes to just PK and five on five. I think he's gonna take a big step, and I'm Andy? I'm excited. I'm excited to see him. I had 14 and 20 for 34. I'm flipping Grant's projection projection, and I'm going to go uh, 18 and 14. I like that. Or 18, 18, 18 and 15. If he can score 18 goals, I'm jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, 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 I'm hooting and hollering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure in like, was it 16 games and the season he had six goals? So that's pretty sure, good. Yeah. So what's pretty, he on yeah, base for? But, but if you have Kubelik on there scoring that. 32 that year we're gonna have fucking 500 goals sorry 500 goals <laughs> for the end of the year we're gonna have too many goals in the third line it's gonna be ridiculous yeah, yeah. jesus uh yeah and again the most uh divisive of them all phillips and will he break out will he not stay tuned um <laughs> i'm going we'll see you next week i think zadina's turned into more a little more of a playmaker kubli's gotta get that puck somehow yeah. So I'm go- I'm going uh 16 goals for Philip Sedina and 24 assists. Optimistic. 40, 40 points. Optimistic for sure. But again, I think he's a guy who could get a bigger role, earn it, and I think eventually he'll get power play time this year. It's just depending on when. So yeah, definitely an optimistic view of Philip Sedina. I have 12 and 30. Or 25, sorry. 12 and 25. 12 and 25, so 37 points. Yeah, 37 points, yeah. I like that. I also view mine as optimistic, and it's it doesn't sound optimistic compared to your crisis. Okay. Uh, I have mine at 15 and 19 for 34, and I view that as optimistic. It is, again, it is. We are, yeah. I think we're all being optimistic because, again, like he's only shown flashes a little bit of where he's been at. Again, he had a hot start to the preseason, but then after that kind of tailed off. And as you can see right now, he doesn't have a set spot in the lineup. So it's a big question mark. He'll be on the roster. That's not a question. It's just the point right. of what role he plays. Will he be past February? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
Um, and then kind of like best of the rest, uh, the other forwards in the lineup. I mean, I guess we can kind of talk about individually and like maybe if you want to give a point product point prediction, go for it. If not, like not a huge deal. Um, so I guess like, huh? I guess to start, I mean, we should probably talk about the the, the remaining forward spots in the lineup because I don't think there's a okay. set in stone. I wouldn't even say that Zadina's set in stone on that third line or Rasmussen for that matter, but that's oh. kind of how that's at this stage. I view it as the third line. Um, I think the fourth line's completely up for grabs yet. Um, and in my personal opinion, one of Valeno or Soderbaum is going to be setting down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I'm. And I know I, you mentioned this in the Twitter chat. I'm going to bring it up because I do agree with the point that Valeno does make the most sense. To get sent down. I was just, yeah, yes. I agree with that. Because he's the center and you can easily put Pew Suter there. Yeah. Well, I'll go off this, right? It's to me, it's basically if you want Elmer in the lineup, you're not going to want Valeno to center Elmer. It's going to be Suter. And if if I'm having Elmer in the lineup, it's it's a hundred percent. I would rather Pew Suter center him. Like imagine a line of Suter, Sunquist, and Elmer as your fourth line. Very Triple good, S. very good, and very puck possessive. Yes. Not also, to say we saw Valeno, not to say Valeno's not puck possessive, but just the consistency and defensive, defensively effectiveness of Suter and Sunquist. Gives a lot of relief to Elmer, where Valeno Elmer, doesn't. Who did Elmer play with most of the preseason at his center? Pew Suter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of carry To kind of go off of that, though, if you want Valeno in the lineup, Valeno almost played his best last year when he was playing with guys like Sunquist, Ernie, Giovanni. He played some damn good hockey when he was playing with fourth liners. Like offensively, it gave him so much freedom to zoom around and just be himself. Um, he made things happen in garbage time a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. that was the ongoing joke, but he did make things happen with. Yeah, he was like, garbage, oh, time, garbage time, Joe, and yeah. with garbage with, players at some point. Exactly. Not to call Giovanni a garbage player, but sorry, yeah, Giovanni, but not an NHL level player. I know you're an advocate avid listener of this podcast Giovanni I'm sorry about that but I Giovanni and Joe had a very good chemistry last year so I mean if you're plugging and playing in that fourth line left wing role if you have Sunquist and Joe like I thought those two played very well together as well last year mm-hmm. and then it's either a suitor playing left wing it's a suitor Giovanni or Ernie and I think all those guys fit a fourth line scheme yeah, if you're having like a fourth line, a second, so that, third line type of deal. That's kind of how I see things playing out. Either you run a line like Joey V, Ernie, and Sunquist, or you run a line like Suter, Soderblom, and Sunquist. I think Sunquist is penciled in on that fourth line and will be. It's just a point of with who. I think Sunquist is easy to play with. I also think my other question with Sunquist is his health. Yep, he's a he's a band aid. Yep. He, it, he it's just, it's a point of when he gets injured and how long. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm hopefully doesn't because I think I'm hopeful he's, too. He's such a valuable piece. Yep. I hope he does stay healthy because I think, I think he's a really solid penalty killer as well. Cause he, I mean, we don't have a lot of specialists there. 
I know he's, he's he's the only piece we have up front where you can comfortably say he's our penalty killer comfortably mm-hmm. like like that's that is his role that's what he thrives on yep yeah so, you, know, you know i know i know we have larkin bertuzzi and those guys that can play plug and play and then they have in the past but you we kind of said we want other players to fill in those roles here and there. i think Suter kind of dubbed himself as a pretty yep. damn good penalty killer last year which is another point like that's brought up Suter brings that PK specialty and the argument of Elmer and Joe, you go into Elmer is more valuable for his power play. Yep. I, I love Joe Valeno and I think he should hundred percent be on this roster, but if you're trying to put together, if you're trying to ice the best possible roster, I don't know if that includes Joe Valeno simply for the fact that if you want the best out of Elmer Soderblom, that's going to be with Pew Suter. And if, if you, if you're trying to value Joe Valeno over Elmer, it's going to be without Elmer. Yeah. I'm so curious again, Elmer, like I want him to work. I want him to at least get a couple games in the beginning. And if, and again, if he doesn't look good, send him right down. But it means something that he's on the roster right now, and he's definitely. I think he's going to get a look. I don't think it's going to go poorly. I, I think they have the opportunity to put him in the best chance to succeed, which yep. is second power play and a fourth line role with two stable players if Sunquist is healthy. And even yeah, he's if not he's not, scrubs. even if he's not, Ernie can provide that mm-hmm. puck possessive role, where it's just making room for Soderbaum. If Soderbaum has room, he's going to create five on five. Yeah. 100%. So I don't know if you want to give point projections for like any of these players. I, yeah, I, it's, it's tough. It's too tough. I, I think this fourth line is completely up for grabs. Give me uh, over I, 15, 10 to 15 points over every player. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't know. Yeah, I mean, 30, you know 35 goals for Elmer, and I'm good. For the rest, <laughs> 35 goals and nine assists for Elmer. It's like a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. Season. I did write. I did write twelve and twelve for Elmer, uh, just for fun. So yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Very fun. I'm excited for sure. It's uh, the biggest thing about like, for the fifth or the ten to fifteen points each player is like you don't know how like Sunquist. You don't know how like how long his injuries are going to be. Assuming he's going to get one uh, based mm-hmm. off history, right. you don't know the other three guys' usage yet. So. Yep, it's definitely gonna be some uh, some tinkering to start the year, and I'm excited to actually have decisions right. on this team. Yeah, it's really like again, like Giovanni Smith, like in in years past, he would have been easily a lock for the roster. Yeah, but again, he, he's we finally have hit a point where we actually have NHL level players that are ready to go and can be called up. I I do think Giovanni's gonna play a role in this team. I, I do. I, th- I think he's gonna be brought up for like I said, one of Elmer or Joe. And he's going to be played minimally, but he's going to be plugged into those games where you need a big physical presence. And we, him we and don't Sun- have that. <laughs> you know, especially if Sunquist goes down. Exactly. Yep. You know, but if him and Sun- if Sunquist stays healthy, him and Sunquist on that fourth line to bring some meat potatoes to the lineup. Yeah. That'd be that's it is fun to see sometimes. Like there's a few games last year when Giovanni got in. I think he was playing higher up in the lineup for like a spurt. Like a yeah, he played, the, line he, played the, he played the second line for a little bit. Second line. Remember that game where he was flying out there? Yeah, the Islanders. Happen? He was playing second yes. line that game. 
Yeah, and he was flying. I was holy cow! Like, why can't you do that? On a goal, the a goal line? In the I, I'm right? still and, and a fight. No, he did not have a fight. He got kicked out the next game. Yeah, I'm still or so scratch. quick to say that Giovanni looked his best playing with Joe Valeno, and Joe Valeno almost looked his best playing with Sunquist and Giovanni Those three together. Yeah, if Elmer gets made, sent down, who knows? Maybe it's a line we see at some point. I never know. It's all up for grabs. Let's go to the defense. Which is uh, the yeah. biggest question mark on the lineup? Like in the like up front, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with the Red Wings forward core. Not elite, a lot of question marks that could take bigger steps, but it's solid. I'm pretty happy with it. The defense, though, there are some major concerns. Not uh, not me. Not eh. concerns. Also concerns. They're decently sized concerns. I'll phrase it like that. Uh, the top four is pretty well set. Sherrod Sider. Mata Hronik, what are you looking? What are you guys looking for in the top pairing of Schrott Cider? Um. Well, to start with Schrott, um, very heavy. I want heavy play and heavy defensive reliability to be a cushion for Cider, and let Cider free, not like crazy free, but. Let him do his thing. And I, I I liked what I saw from Sherrod in preseason, which is scary for me to say that because I've been a known Sherrod um, criticizer in the past, especially in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. I think that pairing could be very good. Yeah. I want to see a lot of hits, not going to lie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, the boomer said, era in me is um, is very excited about Sherrod throwing the throwing the boat with the weight around a little bit with cider out there. Yeah, because yeah. cider does it. Cider's not afraid to do it too. With and, that being with that being said, I'd almost like cider to. I mean, he he did last year. He did very well. I'd like to. I like him to pick his spots a little bit more in the sense of when he's going to lay the body down. Mm-hmm. Um. Now comparing him to Nick Lidstrom, which is not fair, but Lidstrom never had to throw a hit, and that's why he played so, so like for played so well for so long. And I know that's not Mo's game. Like he he does like to lay the body and stuff like that, which I also do like. But with the guy out there like Sherratt, let him do that a little bit more, and the odd time throwing a big hit himself to keep the the other team guessing. I would, I would- I'd like to see him put the puck a little bit more. I'm excited. I was going to go. That's perfect segue. I like that, Andy. I want Cider to take a little more chances offensively with, with a more stable partner in Ben Chirot. Yeah. What can, what can you be freed up to do a little bit more? Because, again, Cider was kind of being relied on to play both sides of, like, shutting down the play and then transition, transitioning out of the zone. It's a lot to Majorly. ask. Majorly, again, as a, I st- especially as a rookie, right? He still needs to do that. But yeah, he has another guy who can make stops. And then pass the puck to Cider, who then can transition the puck up ice, which yeah. I think could lead to more offense. Again, we, every, it's pretty well talked about that Cider's draft season. He was playing in Germany and he was asked to play a shutdown role. And then all of a sudden people are surprised when he has an offensive game because he just was so well set to that defensive play in his draft season to stay with the big club in Germany. So looking at it as a game and how he's adjusted, I want to see him play a bigger role. Like he's gonna get all the time in the power play. I want to see him 
jump in and play more on five on five. He's got the skill. Like he could, I, I want him to push double digit goals. That's kind of my goal for him. Put the puck yeah. in the net a little bit more. Um, you look, I, like, you look at the- I, I like what you guys both said. I, I yeah. think a big thing with him is it wasn't his production was really good last year. Oh, it was great, but it was mostly power play production. And you've kind of talked about that, but five on five production is going to be really important for him this year. Yep. And the team. And again, he kind of goes back to his partner. Like they were getting caved in at some points. Yeah. In the D well, zone. Well, I mean, exactly. when he's playing with it, I miss you, Danda Kaiser. Um, when he's playing with Danda Kaiser most of the year. Well, and tough. also the, the forwards up front, he's going to have more puck support. Exactly. You, you know, and also players that when they get the like, wingers, when they get the puck on a half wall, they're going to make that play to get the puck out where you're yep. not going to be, you're not going to be hemmed in. Which is okay. That's the game of hockey. It's going to happen. There's going to be nights where it's horrendous, and that's going to be the whole night. Mm-hmm. But that happens with the best teams in the league too. So, yep. You can't. You know, like for an 82 game season, you with the roster we have now compared to last year's, those chances are going to be lesser, or those those um, plays and stuff like that. You know, they're going to be out of the zone more frequently than last year, at least. 100%. Yeah, I'm looking I, – I really only did point predictions for, like, two of the defensemen with Sider and Heronic just because I think it's the only two important ones where it matters for points in in the scheme of things. I got Sider at 60. I got t- I got 10 plus, 10 plus 50. Might be, oh, might I, be, I want might to be see him high. right around there. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't make a point projection, but right around there. Um, high 50s yeah. to low 60s. Yeah. I think it's realistic – with how much he's going to play too. Cause he's, again, he's a, he's a 23, 24 minute night defenseman. Yeah. And even so, like if he doesn't break the 55 point plot, I 50 is fine with me too. He's, oh, it's the second, it's the second year in the league, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, there's also the factor where he's going to have, you know, people talk about the sophomore slump, but also other teams take notice of young stars and they learn their game more. Like, it's not a shock factor anymore. So, you know, there, there is that in there, but right around the 50 point mark is where I'd see him. I, I'd like to see him get double digit goals. Yes. Uh, if it doesn't happen, he's still going to get his points, his cookies and everything like that. So I really like that. You know, really like that. Uh, pair two, which is kind of, they've again, the top four has kind of been together since day one on training, like day one, Traverse city. They flipped him for, I think one game. And they went right, right back, back to it. it. Yeah. yeah. Which is, so it's going to start off like this Mata Heronic, which is again, right away after Mata was signed in free agency, we immediately identified him as being a fit with Phil Peronic, mm-hmm. a guy who's very defensive minded and can help Phil Peronic be more of himself. You know, less, less risk. Cause again, like when Phil Peronic's been like last year when he was relied on to carry out, also carry the defensive load, it was tough for him. There was a couple nights he got exposed pretty bad. I think of like the, I think it was a game in Long Island towards like the end of the year. He got burnt like the first 30 seconds of the game and Islander scored. It was really bad. And I'm was just that like Brock Nelson? I don't remember. It was something like that. Yeah. I think for some reason I want to say it was Brock Nelson that burnt him. It was, it was one of their top guys because it was a starting yeah. game. Right. So I'm just looking for more consistency from Philip Ronick. And I think, and I think Grant mentioned this like one of the last episodes with Mata. 
the less if I don't notice Alimata, I think that's a good thing. Yep. Exactly. That's, He's getting that's yep. Oh sorry, that, that's that's like a, the perfect bottom three kind of whatever, like even though yeah, bottom three defensemen. Yep. You have them. You don't be noticed, good or bad. You did your job. Hundred percent. And I, again, like people are always they're so quick to be like, Oh, Mata didn't have a good year in LA last year. He did. I know he wasn't happy with like his point projection. Like that's what people are asking about. But like, if you look at his defensive and his underlying analytics, quite good, quite favorable in the defensive zone, especially on a decor that got beat up towards the end. Or yeah, actually, a, a, whole, a whole roster really got beat up. He, yeah, he was an important piece to LA. Yeah, as a guy who fill, he filled fill in between the second and third pair, which is what he's going to be this year too. And I'm excited for Philip Peronic to have a steady partner for the whole year. And I'm excited to see how Philip Perona can bounce back. Because, again, like I think Grant called him his biggest wild card for the year. Yep. Yep. When I you look at when you kind of by a line, landslide. Yeah. Because you look at Detroit's defense, like behind Moritz Sider, it's kind of a bunch of question marks of what roles they can play. Philip Peronic at one point, like if we look back to the 1920 season, we were head over heels where it's like Philip Peronic is going to be a top pair defenseman. Since then, it's been quite quite the opposite. We're like he's bottom pair defenseman, right? Who's good on the power play? That's about it. And yeah, it's tough, tough place, tough place to be. All I'm asking good the, is good on the that? power play. Good on the power play at times, even because last year there's times. Yeah, there's times we weren't like we we're gonna get him off there. And that's another thing too. He's gonna go back to being the QB of the power play this year, right? Which is I'm curious how he makes that adjustment. I th- I think it's gonna be a pretty. It should be a better adjustment for him playing with Czech guys. Not gonna lie. Yeah, he's got the Czech familiarity with, with the Czech more, team. More offensive players as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, moving the puck a little bit more again. Like he's got a lethal shot. That can't be. That can't be denied. He's got a great slap shot. Great and cannon. he he's shown times he's got good vision too. I think of the Jacob Verona goal against Minnesota. That was a sweet pass. And I'm looking for more of that. I'm hoping that he takes the the bull by the horns here and he can prove to be a good number three defenseman. That's what I'm Correct. looking for. Even or even number two, he's the guy who plays the second most tonight. Right. Yeah. Like when you pull the goalie in a situation, like at, at the end of the game, let's say Detroit's down by one, you're pulling the goalie. Phil Peronick should be out there with more insider to try to get the goal back. Yeah. You're, he's he's not- your second second on paper, or even yeah, and theoretically, he's your second most offensive defenseman we have, right? You're trying to rip yep. one timers with him. Yep. Yes. I want him to be relied on <gasps> that situation. Imagine him, Verona, Kubalik. <laughs> just just, yeah. just let, letting bombs go. Well, I mean, that's how the second unit power play was in practice today. <laughs> right. I know. Just just picturing that, like six and on then five, big, and, and then big Elm, big Elmer in front. It's hilarious. It's so Rass much fun. out there too. Um. Oh. And then, like, I'm like the top four is like it's definitely not top of the league. I wouldn't say it's the worst in the league either. It's definitely like middle of it's it's below middle of the pack. I would say lower half of the middle of the pack. Yeah, yeah. Yes. cider cider cranks it up for sure. Um, and then we go to the bottom pair, which is uh, right now. I'm I'm a little nervous about the bottom pair. I would say bottom pair is at least bottom ten in the league. It's a tough one. It's I saw it's, I saw Winnipeg's bottom pair today, and I kind of snickered. <laughs> I, what is the words, I haven't heard the word snickered in a while. What is Winnipeg? Hold on. Is it? I'm, I'm gonna guess like uh, Kyle uh, Capbianco. Um, oh, good. 
He's great. I'll pull, I'll pull it up for you. And uh, oh, I'm thinking it's the one guy, uh, kind of like a prospect a little bit. It's um, shit. Who is? What's his name? He's a first round pick. Stan, is it Stanley? I don't think it's Stanley. No, Stanley's in the second pair. The second oh, pair. Oh my god, Winnipeg's D is bad. Oh, good podcasting right here. I love how we're waiting. Um, Capianco um, and Sandberg. That's who I was thinking. John oh. Sandberg. Yeah, he was a first round pick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he played at Duluth. I think it's a little shaky. Uh, yeah, it's not great. So Detroit's better than that. I got mm-hmm. that going for us. Um, so we're at least 31st in the league. <laughs> at, least 31st, <laughs> at least 31st. At least 31st. I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, kind of going to the bottom pair. We got Osterley, Lindstrom, Hag, and then Wallman eventually. Like Wallman's only going to miss like the first 10 games of the year. Wallman's going to yeah, be big to get back, which is not something I was going to be expecting to say at the start of the year. No, me either. I'm very, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting for Wallman to come back because again, he's a legit bottom pair defenseman. I was very happy with Wallman last year. For me too. How we use him? I actually he's a great. Like, he's a great transition defenseman. He with yeah. with a sh- while he's also being a shooting threat. He's kind of what the roster needed and does need again in that bottom th- bottom three defenseman role. Obviously, bottom two, but and again, maybe he's a guy um, like. Throughout the year, maybe he gets bigger looks. Like if you want to switch it up, like Mata goes down to the bottom pair, more stability there. Wallman cranks up a little bit. Yeah, right. he's a guy that gives you more potential. We're like yeah. Hag and Osterley. Like you're more comfortable with those guys being your sevens. Well, and even if we're like down really bad, and you put him up with because he's at least he can skate. Yeah, like you know the odd the odd rep put him in with uh, Mo Cider. Like, yeah. Like like that's very like pushing it, but at least he can skate. He's a good skater, and he can he can throw bombs like or shoot like take fucking clapper the crazy. oh my god there's another f-bomb uh, <laughs> it's sorry fellas pushing it but i think that's a really good point because he's a guy i look at if you want to shake things up in your defensive core right literally just move down sharat one pair and then mata one pair so mata's playing with like lindy and mm-hmm. then you have let's say wallman and cider and then sharat and Horonic, and that shakes things up for you I, I don't I hate that at all. Shake up, shakes up. Yeah, shake ups. I don't either. And that's and just then, in the sense sense of him like a giving him another chance, like a different opportunity, because we really haven't. He hasn't seen that opportunity anywhere throughout his NHL career. Nope. In San, in St. Louis or Detroit, so you never know. Like there's there is untapped potential or untapped talent. We don't know that yet, right? Yeah, we saw flashes. Like there was the points where he'd jump in, he'd t- wind up with a huge shot. He also is such an ability to skate back and make a play defensively because he's such a yeah. good skater. And it's just like the other guys like waiting. I mean, Osterley can skate pretty well, but again, he doesn't have the mind to do that. Right. And with and, Linds- and with Lindstrom, he's shown points that he's he's a pretty good bottom pair guy, but then there's also the inconsistencies. He's another guy that's feast or famine. Like there's some points where all of a sudden I'll look and he's chasing a guy behind the net. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop that. Yeah, I like the point that Lalone wants him to play harder, which I think is something he needs to do, especially with the size. Like he's six two, one ninety. He's a big boy. Solid. Start using, start using it a little bit. I also want to see him continue being a good like penalty kill guy. Who was it last year that he played with for a long time? That he was really good. Was it Stahl? It was Mark Stahl. Mm -hmm. And then, like I always say, he would. Lindstrom had a terrible end of the year after the first game he played with the Kaiser. It was also funny. Also, like one of the worst pairings analytically was uh, Wallman and Blindstrom. Yeah, which on paper that's what it would be. Exactly. 
exactly. So again, again, you or, have Hag. Or would it? Maybe or Tag. It? Hag played times of the right. Yep. So who knows? Definitely have options there. And I guess to finish up here, we got um, the goalies. Billy Huso, Alex Nelkovich. Uh, I'm pretty confident that, I, again, uh, Lalone's made it clear that they're going to start off as a tandem, and I would expect that. But I'm going to guess, like, by the season's end, that Huso's a full-time starter. I think he's going to take over the role, and it makes room for a potential move with either at the deadline, you want to move to Nelkovich or something. Or he's a pending free agent, too, so, you know, that's also another factor into this. But they've committed long-term to Huso. And, again, his year in St. Louis – what they're paying him and his potential that he showed. I'm very excited to get him in. And again, it provides more stability to a young team like Detroit. Yep. I was, I'm kind of happy you said that because about him eventually becoming the number one starter. Cause that's what I was, I was hesitant, hesitant to say that, but that's kind of what I see too. Yeah. I think it's unless Nelkovich goes off, which I mean, I'm, I'd be more than happy. Like I like it. And it could happen. Yeah. He has so much potential, but again, he's kind of like the really like the highs are highs, the lows are low. And again, like we saw it in preseason a couple of times too. Like he, I was like, what are you doing, buddy? Like yeah. he is the point. Like there's something to be said about a goalie who's just like, I don't think there was once where I was watching Huso in preseason and I'm like, you were nervous. I was nervous. Exactly. Exactly. He, I, I almost every time I watch Alex Nadelkovich, I'm nervous. I'm on edge. I am yeah. on edge. And, I almost at points had this is gonna sound really bad, but like I guess faith more faith in Okanaru or whatever the hell. O- Okanora. <laughs> Okanaro. Yeah. Uh more than Nadalkovich. Just mostly on the sense of like I don't know what he's gonna provide for us. So like yeah. who, you know, who well cares? I mean Okanora is also a little crazy. I don't know if you've seen his highlights yeah. from oh well, yeah <laughs> from Finland. He had, at one point he was like pinned up against the half wall with the puck. I saw that. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a I, sad defenseman. I compare Billy Huso. I don't know if this is me liked or not liked to my Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Jonathan like Bernier provided me. My heart was happy all the time and <laughs> there was butterflies and rainbows and I was just happy. Jonathan Bernier was a good goalie for the Detroit Red Wings. So was- I love Jonathan Bernier. And I think. I, Hot take. I just- we trade, we traded Dalkovich to New Jersey and we get back Jonathan Bernier. Yes. I, I, I miss Bernier, man. Yeah, his injuries have killed him. him since. It sucks. Which sucks because I think he could have had a good opportunity there. I, mm-hmm. I do I do really believe that Huso, if he hits the ground running, he's he there's a possibility that he does run away with the number one job. I don't yep. think it's gonna be that easy. Um no. I think I think Nadelkovich will battle. I think last year he was kind of just put in a bad position def- with a defensive scheme. And right. All things aside, like he was playing for a Carolina Hurricanes team that was arguably the best defensive team in the NHL. And then he goes to the worst defensive team in the NHL. So his numbers are obviously going to swing. It's just like we've talked about the nerves. I don't get nervous with Billy Huso. I do get really nervous with Alex Nadalkovich. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a... uh... It's gonna, be, it's gonna be a storyline throughout the season of who's gonna play what. I'm just excited to have two goalies that will be usable. On yep. paper, right now, that's what it looks to be. Two goalies where at any night they both should give us a chance to win, <laughs> which was the whole goal of getting Huso to begin with. And then you figure out the rest later. 
again, it's kind of like St. Louis last year. Like they had two goalies that could be starting goalies last year. And it's, Huso, a good problem. it's a good problem to have. And Huso was their, was their guy for a good portion of the season last year, especially most, after what, most of it. Right. Especially for what they're, what they paid Bennington after yeah. their, after their cup run. Right. Which I mean, he got he got them a cup, so yeah. You know, we're not Bennington fans on this podcast, but he did get them a cup, so I, I, the cup. Don't, I don't hate Bennington. I think, I think he's, he's a I think he's a loser. That's, That's me. I think he's a good goalie. St. Louis misses the playoffs. I don't think St. Louis misses the playoffs. <laughs> fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to Detroit Red Wings, but no, I'm. I think goaltending is going to be arguably one of our strong points this year. And I'm excited to see what we can do with it. Um, but yeah, kind of finish up here. Special teams slash coaching. What do we kind of look like? What's an, what and maybe even record and prediction for where we're at in the Atlantic? Um, obviously, special teams is kind of like the biggest thing people are really paying attention to. I'm excited to see Derek Lalone's scheme as a whole at five on five. But I mean, if we're going to break down special teams, Kind of pressures a little bit on Alex Tange for a power play. See what he can do with a second season with better talent. With good yeah. talent. Power yeah, play was that's, garbage last year. Exactly. That's the thing is he's been given the tools to utilize. Now let's let's make something happen here. Like doesn't have to be it has to be a significant jump, but it doesn't have to be enormous, right? No. No. Um, the uh, the other one too, yeah, penalty kill. Which we really address. I mean, Derek Lone being a penalty kill guy, and also Bob Bugner, who ran the second was it the second best or first best penalty kill in the league last year with San Jose, which who is wasn't ridiculous. A good team. Who is a terrible team, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, um, and I, like, I like Bob Bugner. I like yeah, me guy. too. And uh, you look at how the Detroit's been running the penalty kill throughout preseason. A lot of skill guys playing, and they're very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Which is something they're kind of like trying to create turnovers and make really make teams think. Because a lot of times teams get the habit of like sitting back a little too much, letting the guys set up, getting their puck touches, and that's just not something you should be doing. And the Detroit was a floor mat last year on the on the penalty kill. No, who's no who's one guy I really wish we had who he was kind of that guy. He's he's a skilled guy, but was also a penalty killer in a different spot. Huberdeau, not even an Arsenal. No, well, yeah, him. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> Damian Brunner. Vlad, I miss the coach. Oh, I, yes. yeah. I miss Vlad. I miss him so much. Can we trade I, him for Ernie? Yeah, no. Let's yeah, let's do that right up. One I'd be one. very happy. Give me yeah. boy. I saw like him getting his. Uh, he got the player of the game for one of the games, and he, he, he got had four well, points. I didn't know he had four yeah. points. That's insane. He had a goal and or was it? He had three goals and an assist. I think. I believe. Yeah, I think he had a hattie. And I'm not gonna lie, him back in the Tampa jersey. I'm like, it looks right. Yeah. As, as much there. as it pains me to say, it looks it looks right. So I mean, I'm happy for him. him. I'm happy for him, but yeah. again, I hate Tampa Bay, so it's gonna be a tough one for sure. Especially, That's I didn't like I didn't like Nemestikov either when he was in Tampa Bay. Like when oh no, he first like broke in. No, I thought he was a prick. I hated him. Let's see. I mean, that's I like those types of players. The kind of player though. you like. Oh yeah, yeah. it's the kind of player I, you like. But I remember him against Detroit, especially. Like he had a dirty yeah. hit against someone on Detroit. I can't remember who. It was that me. I hated. It was you? Okay. Yes. I forgot about that, Andy. Yeah, I forgot you played forgot when you played in the league there. Yeah, ended my career. The short stint. Yeah. Very, very short. I don't know if you like I like I'm kind of like looking for the Red Wings power play to kind of be mid-table and penalty kill to kind of be mid-table for a successful season as well. Like I I consider both those successes. Me too. Especially after the last 
three, four, five years. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess to kind of wrap up here, where do we see Detroit finishing in the Atlantic division? And should we do like an Atlantic playoffs? division quick, a quick little, uh, yeah, quick little run through as we, uh, do you want to go team by team or do you want to just give rankings and then break down the teams and why we have them there? So I'll, I'll kind of do mine first and you guys can go off of that. All right. Fair enough. I kind of have like four tiers to the Atlantic. Um, but for my tiers there in tier one and tier two, each have one team and in tier four, there's one team. So in tier three, there's five teams. <laughs> Um, I see Toronto being kind of above everyone by quite a bit. Um, a good team. So that's my tier one. My tier two is Tampa Bay, also by quite a bit. Um, and tier three, which I have tight, and I'll rank them. I have number three is Boston in tier three. Uh, number four would be Florida, which I think Florida is one goalie injury away from – being a possible train wreck because I think already both their goalies are wild cards. And if they'll just play the hot one right now, and if one of those gets hurt and let's say, let's say Knight gets hurt or something and Bobrovsky's left standing, are you going to put all your trust in Bobrovsky or vice versa? Are you going to put all your trust in Knight? That's where right. it gets fishy for me. Or if Ekblad goes down. Who I'm, I think that's my biggest one. They're they're the one air, they're one Aaron Eckblad injury away from pure chaos. Um, from yeah. Mark Stahl being your Mark top Stahl being defenseman. the number one defenseman on the team and running PB one. Yes, I, yes. I quick, actually want quick, that. Quick question: Did did Eric Stahl make the roster? How did he check? I don't. Think or was he, he released? I don't think he was released okay. either. I actually huh. don't know. To be honest with you, that, that's that's something that's one team I haven't really paid much attention in on. Sorry. Um, I haven't checked in on. I guess to go back to Boston, too, I think Boston's going to have a slow start this season, which is expected. Not, like, super slow, like everyone thinks. I think they're going to stay kind Float of – Float around 500? A, low, a little bit under 500 to 500. I think they, I think Pasta and Krejci are going to have a crazy start to the season. Um, But I think they're going to have a great end of the season. I think ultimately the last dance that they're all calling it, I think it is going to be a last dance here for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Florida is really flirting with that that wild card to possibly missing the playoffs list. And then I have the three teams after that. Um, I actually have Buffalo in fifth place. It's take. I, I think Buffalo is going to surprise a lot of teams this year and be pretty darn good. Carson Gates is jumping up and down. <laughs> um, Listen to this. I think these three teams are going to be within a couple points of each other. Um, and I think any one of these teams could squeeze into the wild card spot over Florida, not going to lie, or even Boston if things don't go as planned with Boston. Yep. I have Detroit in sixth in front of Ottawa, and I have Montreal in eighth. I do enjoy the Ottawa hate. That's my favorite. I, I don't love Ottawa. I don't either. Um, Especially they got a couple things that uh, could happen. Exactly, mm-hmm. and goaltending is an issue. Goaltending is also an issue. I, do I like think Anton. they're better off without Cam Talbot. To be honest with you, I think Anton. I don't think Cam. Better. I don't think Cam Talbot's that good. I don't they also get Magnus Helberg, who's getting a new setup. I think Magnus. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, do you want to go first? You want me to go first or go second? I guess. Excuse me. Uh, it's not too far off of Grants. To be honest with you, it's Toronto 
and then Tampa. That third spot is kind of questionable because, again, Boston's injuries where they're starting off of, off with. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, that's the big question mark. I do think they will on the latter half of the year rejuvenate and make probably probably finish third. I'd say. Okay. Um, and then the rest there, like like again, Grant said, I see Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo being very close. And Montreal just in the league for purposes. Yeah, yeah they're gonna, they're gonna fight fighting for. Uh, I like Montreal's forwards. Like I think their forwards are kind of fun. Their defense is an absolute nightmare, though. Yeah, I like Ottawa. Ottawa's forwards. They're okay, like to touch on Montreal quick. That defensive court could be really fun or really atrocious. Yes, yes. I'm excited to watch Kane Gooley. Not gonna lie, I'm excited to watch Jekai. Who? You remember Arbor Jekai? Oh, Jekai, oh, yes. Oh, I didn't know I, what you said at first. He yeah. is a force. You know who his favorite player is? Did I don't know uh, if you saw this. I did not see this. Ben Sherratt. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> of course. They are pretty similar, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it's, he's a fun story. I mean, working for, working at Costco two years ago to Which getting invited. Yeah, and then getting invited to development camp and then making it and actually making the roster. I mean, it's a cool story. It yeah, is a cool so, story. So good for him. So, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, the Atlantic is definitely way better than it was last year, and yeah. one and two are pretty easy. I think Toronto, Tampa, I think that's a lock. Lock. It, those two teams are by far ahead of the, and then like the rest again. I'm kind of with the tier system. I do like. Did you have something to say, Andy? Yeah, I just kind of my comment. My only comment on Toronto, I still think they do finish first, but it's a big question mark their goaltending. I yeah. don't think goaltending really matters, to be honest with you. I know, as but as long as it's average, as long as it's average, but there are also a couple of guys injured, like on the back end, to be in a complete disaster to bet on the back end. Which, if they don't have goaltending, if they don't have average goaltending, which they may not get, mm-hmm. that could be an upset season for. They had not saying they're out of the playoffs, not at all. They're, I think they're they're locked in for the playoffs, but yeah. I think like. It could be a struggle for them at points. I, I yeah, get maybe. what you're saying, but I mean, they were they had like arguably with Detroit the worst goaltending last year at some points, right? And how dominant that four group can be, and with I would say like I mean, you're gonna have Morgan Riley, you're gonna have Sandine, you're gonna have Gio, Mitch Marner, Mitch Marner yeah. when he needs to play defense, <laughs> which I which I actually like a lot on that. Me too. People that, got, to people honest. are clowning, and I do like the like la, like late in the game have Mitch Marner or like late in the period. Yeah, I, I uh, it's circumstantial, my, but yes, I do like it. Yeah, two of my buddies that were um are that are Leafs fans. They were hating it at first. I told them I said that actually brings up a lot of opportunities, and then they kind of I kind of turned their yeah you their go Willie on it. You go Willie on the top line. You have Marner drop back like. You got plenty of steel. with Mo Riley, right? Like yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have five essential forwards out there because Morgan Riley, Riley QB PP one. Oh yeah, that, that would, would be, actually that'd be a lot of fun to see. <laughs> that's what I want. That's just if I'm yeah. least in. He's he's good at finding seams, right? So yeah, but no, that was my only comment on on Toronto. It, like, if something doesn't gel, and you know, like the wrong defense defenseman, like you know, if say if. Um, Mo Riley goes down, and they already are missing Muzzin. Mm-hmm. That that's a scarce decor yep. with a very, very questionable 
goalie tandem. 100%. I agree with that. I, I just uh, – I don't think it's that questionable, to be honest with you. I think you're giving it too little credit. I, I like Ilya Samsonov. I do too, but the, uh, you're, you have to think. How many people – how many goaltenders, like, do very well in Toronto when it's their, essentially their first starting role? I wouldn't say starting, though. It's 50-50. And yeah, I don't Mar- see I don't I don't see Matt Murray, to be honest with you. I don't see him panning out. I guess I just think there's no way this team is not finishing top two in the Atlantic. Yeah, They're, but no matter how good their goaltending is, I I I just their goaltending can't get worse than it was last year. There's no way they had literally. It was almost worse than they were. At some points, it was worse than Thomas Grace and Nadelkovich. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think if anyone's going to be worried about goaltending, it should be Edmonton. Yeah, that's another big one, too. We're not talking about them, though. It's Atlantic. I know. Atlantic. I'm just saying. I think Jack Campbell's more worries than Matt Murray and and yeah. um, Sansonov. I don't, know. I don't know. I like Campbell better than Murray. In my I opinion. like Campbell, too, but I don't think he's a good goalie. I know I'm saying I, I think he's a better goalie than Matt Murray was okay. right now, at the state because uh, Matt Murray has was playing in the AHL freaking eight months ago. It's okay. He's also mismanaged pretty bad in Ottawa. He was. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of in between you guys. I'm a I'm Switzerland here. Like I I'm you know I I could go either way as long as the Leafs get average so like, goaltending. You're like you're Pew Suter and Damian. I'm Pew Suter. I'm Pew Suter in this <laughs> situation. I'm. Pretty you're Damian, like you're the Damian Bruner of this situation. I can see either situation breaking down, and all the Leafs need is average goaltending, and they'll be sick. They, that's they'll what I'm saying. They, they'll they win need, the President's yeah. Trophy. They need. They'll be fine with bottom ten goaltending. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. As long as no big pieces in their decor go down. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're back to that. All right. Yeah. Moving on. That's, I'm, all right. I'm just saying. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give mine. So I got one and two. Tampa, Toronto, or, or Toronto, Tampa. Excuse me. And again, I like Grant. I like, I had different tiers, but I'm kind of I'm gonna change it because I like Grant's idea better because I agree more with that. I do have Florida, Florida, then Boston in the three four spot. I think Florida has the top end talent, and they're gonna have it right away. And also at home last year they were just sick, so I'm curious just, if that can keep up. But under underrated storyline, and again, sorry Andy, I know he's you're you have connections to him, whatever. Paul Maurice historically has underperformed with with teams that have have high offenses i'm really oh, curious yeah. to see what he does especially like you look at a situation in winnipeg where he kind of only had like a couple guys that were good defensemen how like you kind of compare it to florida pretty similar and he had that number one goalie okay yeah grant put a back palmer race here he didn't have a bunch of he doesn't have a bunch of shit bags in Florida, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Good, good group of guys. I I think Barkov is a seems like a pretty damn good captain. I think Kachuk is generally genuinely a pretty good player and person. I just think that whole lineup is, and they they are a very together team. I don't know if you, um, I guess I mean Huberdeau and Weger were a big part of that, but they seem like a pretty well well knit group. Yeah, you have to have that feeling that Kachuk's going to fit in any locker room he goes to in the NHL, right? Just this his personality. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he and might his be play like style. Exactly, his play style and he 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 does a little bit of everything. Yeah. And for sure. like he ha- Paul Maurice hasn't had a player like that in Winnipeg ever. 
I, I, I want the Florida Panthers to do bad this year, but I also want to see Paul Maurice have a good year. <laughs> Is that bad? No, I think that's fair. You can yeah. root for a guy. I think you can root for guys. Um, but yeah, I think he's I, dubbed as a bad coach because of what happened in Winnipeg. But I honestly, I don't think, think he's a bad Bla- coach. I, I just... think Blake Wheeler's a little baby, and I also think Mark Shifley is a. I was gonna say something yeah. bad, but I'll just say little baby too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he. Yeah, both aren't great. Uh, but yeah, I got Florida at three. I'm gonna go Boston at four. Again, I agree, kind of around the 500 mark. Then they kick it back into gear when it gets closer to playoffs. They end up getting in, but. My final bowl prediction, Detroit gets the fifth spot, which has ended up being the wild card because I like the Atlantic more than the Metro. That's my, that's my last – and, again, it's not the most likely. I think I'd, like, give it, like, a 30-70, maybe even less for Detroit making the playoffs. But I just like – I like Detroit over Ottawa and Buffalo. And I would like to put Buffalo over Ottawa, but I can't. But, again, Ottawa, they – down a goalie to start early and – what has been Ottawa's like Achilles, like Achilles heel, like the past couple of years is they're really slow starts. Who knows? Maybe they get off to a rough start again. And they're they're picking lottery again. Who knows? Could happen. Right. It could happen. And mm-hmm. also, like again, like I've, yeah, the stuff we've hinted at, and like I know people can read into it online, Twitter, etc. I don't need to get into it, but they could be missing pieces, and a certain RFA still holding out kind of speaks volumes, to my opinion. Um. Yeah, and their defense I think is worse than Detroit's. Yeah, and I, I think and I, I and I like the, Detroit's goaltending better. I like Detroit's goaltending a lot better. I think they have one of the best tandems in the Atlantic. I think the biggest question for me with Ottawa is how is Alex DeBrink going to adjust without Kane, and how good can Thomas Shabbat be? I think Thomas Shabbat is great. Yep, but he has to be. He has to be every night. Yeah. This yep. year. I agree. Yep. I agree hundred percent. So yeah, I like th- again, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I think um to bring it to go to a similar player will probably play with Claude Giroux, no? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it was Norris with those two. In- I have a oh. hard time simil- putting them as similar because Patrick Kane is on almost his own universe. Yeah, but he yeah. is, but you know what I mean? Like a playmaker. Oh, yeah. Slowish like, style, good pass. He slows the game down to his level, and then he can make yeah. plays happen from there. Josh Obviously, Norris he's not the same good. level. I, I like Josh Norris, yeah. I like Josh Norris, too. No, I, they have a bunch of fun pieces in the top six. The bottom six mm-hmm. is questionable. Very. Questionable. Yeah. Like we're Detroit. I like Detroit's bottom six over to Ottawa's bottom six. Agreed. Yep. And you kind of go into whatever defense, you can kind of argue it out. So that's that's why I go Detroit over Ottawa. And I think, like, again, you kind of compare teams in the Metro. I know we're not doing a preview on them, but you got teams like Detroit, uh, like New Jersey, Washington, um, those, like, oh, who else am I missing? Like, Islanders would all be competing for a wild card spot. Well, who do you have as your first two teams in the Metro to kind of go off that? Uh, I would probably go Carolina, New Pittsburgh. York. I got New York, unfortunately, at three. Like, I'm not crazy about them, but I think they're good enough to make it. Yeah, they should start in. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, does it for me. So then I would have Washington Islanders, New Jersey, all competing for a wild card spot against like the likes of Boston, Detroit, Ottawa, right? So it's it's it kind of just a toss. Like for, to me, it's a toss up. I don't really love Washington. I don't think they're that good. Um, uh, kind of how Andy talked about Toronto. I think Washington's one injury away from falling off. Yep, I agree. It could I be. Looked like, at the, I looked it, at their I forward. think Kuznetsov. 
Yeah. Dude, their second line does not scare me at all. Was it? Saw, it was Mantha and Strom. Yeah. With the third I line. Strom was there. Oh my god, that makes it almost. Never but mind. then, but then they have Oshi on the third line, and I love. <laughs> yeah. Oshi. And then Eller is kind of whatever though. And then Johansson. Johansson's not bad. Yeah, he's fine. Their defense as well. Like I like Carlson. I like Faravari, but like, and I like Nick Jensen. But after that, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. You know? So yeah. again, they don't scare me. Like I think Detroit's like in the same ballpark as them. So it's just the point of who gets hotter, right? And I think what's what's different this year is like we weren't like so many things have to go right for Detroit, which I mean still things really need to go right for Detroit, but it's not like impossible. The odds are a lot better this year. And I'm excited to root for playoff hockey for a lot longer this year. It's still all all, all odds they don't make it. But a successful right. season to me is player much needed players taking jumps, the young guys play big roles and coaching styles really get implemented and they look like they're working and Detroit finishes, I think above 85 points. It's kind of like my benchmark for a successful season. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I like that kind of an all in agreement there. Yep. I mean, obviously my prediction of them being the, like, the playoffs and again, like people are all like, well, it took in the Atlantic, it took like over a hundred points to make the playoffs last year. You realize like teams are going to be taking points away, like team like Buffalo, Ottawa are all going to be taking points away from the likes of Tampa, Toronto. The points are going to be more evenly dispersed. So yeah. I think like I honestly think like ninety five points gets in the playoffs. I would say around there. Like mm-hmm. I said, I think Buffalo is going to be a team that takes a lot of points this year. Hundred percent. I mean, I have them finishing over the Red Wings and Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. I just don't like their goaltending. That's like my biggest thing. And I like Detroit's forwards over them as well. I mean, Eric Comrie, the goat. I will give Buffalo's defense that I'd argue that they might be better than Detroit's. I don't think I'd argue. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, uh, I'm really, I'm super excited for the season. I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of storylines. Again, I, I'm hoping for an Elmer debut game one. And uh, yeah, Friday night. So coming up pretty quickly. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Products Line Podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. Um, follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod, and then support our partners at Inside the Rink. Really appreciate it.